Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 579 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show, we'll be chatting with Leah Solmaz about her series of blogs with authors and filmmakers looking at what goes on with their creative process. We'll be hearing from Eddie Mooney. He is frontman for The Fortunes and part of the Sensational Cities Experience, which is at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre in February 2021. We'll chat with Jim Lee about his books, The Box and My Box, both of which are self-help, one for adults, one for kids, and of course, the online versions, which have got narrations from two very big names. We'll be having a natter with Susan Murray about her forthcoming Red Imp Comedy Club gig, which is going to be online. And we'll be hearing from Chris White and Ian Billings, as they have been working on two new books, which are on the net now. If you want to get those, We'll tell you more about them so you know exactly what you let yourself in for. Two fantastic pieces of work. That's all coming up on this week's show. Walthamstow's finest comedy club, The Red Imp, has had a bit of a break due to some Covid thing. However, it is coming back and it is your chance to see it in the comfort of your own home. To tell us more, The Red Imp herself, it is Susan Murray. Hello. Hello, Jason. How are you? I'm good. I trust all is well in your world at the moment. Well, you know, in terms of the fact that my career has been decimated, my <laughs> industry has been decimated, but no one I'm close to has died. So, so that's it's good. kind of OK. In the grand scheme of things, it's all right, really. Yeah. Well, I'm, where we are isn't a bad place. It's just not necessarily where your career path is supposed to be just at the moment. But uh, obviously you've got uh, a lot going on and uh, the return of the Red Imp uh, is a massively important part of that uh, because it is, it is a home of fine quality comedy. And it's one that I have looked upon enviously on your Facebook page each time I've seen the number of people who are going to be at the show. And uh, it has always been too far away for me to get there conveniently. Yet you are changing that up with your, I know exactly, with uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the event on the 4th of August. So what's going on? How are you doing this? What's happening? So we're basically doing it online. Um, it's taken me ages to get it sussed because I've been trying to work out the technology because it's actually a little bit tricky. Mm -hmm. So we're doing what's called a multicast. So we're having an unmuted Zoom front row, yeah. which means that the comedians get some kind of feedback Mm -hmm. When they're doing their gig, they're not just like telling jokes into an empty void, which is... Oh, <laughs> I've been to gigs like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just completely soul-destroying. Um, and I've done a couple of these, and they work, they work okay, actually. Um, and then everybody else can watch it on YouTube, which is... Uh, you have to watch it at the time. It's as live. Um, all the comedians are in their, own, in their respective houses doing it uh, to the camera. Mm -hmm. And which means everyone can watch it safely, and it means you can watch it from anywhere you want. And it's a brilliant lineup. I've got uh, the star of ITV's The Chase. Mm -hmm. I've got Paul Sinner, yeah, uh, who's brilliant. He he did he actually did the gig a few months ago. That sold out really quickly. Um, and I've got uh, Joe Caulfield. She's like one of my besties. Yeah, but if you're Joe is a, again another absolutely fantastic star of the comedy circuit. Yeah, she's a, she's quality. She's really really good. We did a soft launch actually for just invited friends to just rehearse the tech mm -hmm. um, and she did that and I was like, I was watching her going, she's so good, man. She's so <laughs> good. I was like, I'm really, it's one of, 
You know when you watch certain people like doing their jobs and you go, I really need to do my job better. It's one of, she's one of those people. <laughs> um, and Ian Stone, who's also one of my besties, um, and they've both done Mop the Week. Um, Joe's done quite a lot of Have I Got News For You. Yeah. And she's had uh, several of her own radio series. And Ian, he's done a lot of... Um, he's a massive gooner. He's, he's a massive Arsenal fan, but we'll have to forgive him for yeah, that. Yeah, just been um, So he does a lot of podcasts with Alan... Um, Davis? Yeah, Alan Davis. God, I couldn't remember his name, and that's terrible. <laughs> um, and he does—he's done like various like television, uh, comedy, football stuff in the past, like over the over the years. And um, and he was a radio presenter for a while. He's a brilliant, brilliant stand-up. He's, he's you know they're both on at the, they're all on the comedy store on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. Basically, so it's, it's basically like, it's like a triple headliner. So it's three really excellent acts. They're all very different as well. So um, it'll be a really and I'm hosting. And well, I've def- discovered yeah. it's really difficult. Well, it's very different and a lot harder emceeing a Zoom gig than it is a real gig, <laughs> it turns out. Uh, that was a bit of a shock to the system, but it'll be fine. It'll be a laugh. So they, um, they'll be able to chat to the people on the front row. And um, I mean, the show will only last about an hour. It's not like a full two two hour show. I think that's a bit too much because people are, people are watching screens enough, I think. Yeah, I, th- I, I um, spend a lot of time in front of the computer and it does absolutely do your editing. But when it's something you're enjoying, you don't feel so bad about it. And that means it's going to be a good night. Yeah. So um, and we've got like four tiers of tickets. There's like different prices. It's from between like five and five and a tenner. So if you're on the front row and you're a household, I ask you to pay a little bit more if there's more people watching, which I think is fair enough because like, you know, the com- comedy's on its knees at the moment. So, and it's been really difficult for any of us to earn a living. Um, I did a gig last night, an actual real gig. Yeah. Outdoor, out, an outdoors gig, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was like trying to do a gig in the middle of Sarajevo. I think it was just bad luck, really, because what had happened, there'd been a load of um, grief in the park opposite the venue, so there were like three ambulances, 15 police cars, there was a helicopter circling above, and I was wandering around a derelict car park <laughs> rehearsing my stuff, because I haven't done a gig for four months, right? So I'm like, literally like just walking around this car park and I've got like things written on my hand, so I'm stopping and looking at my hand, and then I'm looking up the police helicopter thinking, they must be wondering what the hell I'm doing. I was, I was fully expecting a police car to turn up and go, excuse me, what are you doing? I'm rehearsing for a gig next door. <laughs> um, so I, I rehearsed for ages and then, um, and it was like in the in a courtyard behind a cafe, which is really lovely. It was in South End, mm. or near to South End. And, um, and then somebody started throwing water bombs over the wall. Okay. Like the, the courtyard, so we were like, "Is that a brick?" And then we realized it was like water. So they threw about six over in total. I didn't get any of it because I was on first. But then, so the helicopters going on ahead. This water bomb was being thrown over. There's loads of emergency vehicles outside. It was, it was just this mental night. I had the easiest of it actually because it kind of, it kind of got a little bit more frantic after <laughs> I'd been on. And so uh, there were some new acts on there, and I just felt really felt for them because it was it's a re- it was a really difficult situation. I think it was just bad luck because there'd been like some um, you know trouble in the mm. part with the teenagers. You know what teenagers are like, but there'd been like proper proper grief going on. I think it was just unfortunate it clashed with a gig. <laughs> oh, it was, it was. But you've done a gig, which is good. That's the that's a good bit. I did a gig, and I only forgot one bit because I've got a song at the end of my set about plane crashes. And um, and I had to sort of start it, and then I went. I forgot the second line, and I had to sort of like the next bit. I had to restart it, but it was fine. So it was good. It was really, really good to get back on the horse. And it mm-hmm. was like 
it just felt so normal, mm -hmm. like coming in from work at half eleven at night. It was brilliant. I was like, yeah. It's yeah, but it, there's all bits of normality are quite exciting. I mean, I, I was in the office at the day job in the week, and uh, there, there was only like about ten of us in because we uh, super so socially distanced. But it was still nice to see people I hadn't seen for ages, even though I talked to them every single day. <laughs> It's amazing how humans need human contact. Haven't they done studies where um, they took uh, monkeys away from their mothers mm -hmm. and it really deeply, deeply affected them? It's all that attachment stuff, isn't it, really? Yeah. Cod psychology. It's not cod psychology. I just don't know enough about it. But that is a thing. <laughs> they do, they've done experiments about like early attachments and all that kind of stuff. And I think humans, we just need contact. And then that's why I think that's why social media's like taken off so much because... Mm -hmm. People are so, you know, we don't live in communes anymore. We don't live in caves. We don't live with our extended family. I mean, I live like miles from all any of my family. Mm -hmm. And um, but you use social media, you, you still you still have lots of contact with people, don't you? Yeah, and the fact you can get your mother using social media occasionally is quite impressive. I FaceTimed her today. Like I'm like, Mom, all I can see is the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, she's trying to get here and, and my dad in, and like all I can and all I can see is the door. Like oh for God's, but it's better than she was because the first time I ever FaceTimed her, all I spent the whole conversation looking at her ear. <laughs> and she had no idea she could have seen you, which is the other. The other. No, I know, I know. No. It's like, mom, mom, all I can see is she's like, what, what? Because she's partly deaf as well. That helps. <laughs> That's not frustrating in the slightest. Well, I, I know you had for you, you social bubbled back at home for a little while during lockdown as well, and I know that was actually yeah. good for you too. And I, you know, whilst you're not in a position to do the the work and the day job, it's it's nice to spend some time with the family. So uh, you are now literally back in the seat, and you'll be in the hot seat hosting for the Red Imp, uh, which is taking place the 4th of August. So uh, has the whole front row sold out or can we still get that? And how else do we get tickets? Yeah, there are still some front row tickets left, actually, because we, we do limit it because you can't have too many people on. Mm -hmm. um, but they need to behave. You can't be sitting there going, can you get us a can of lager from the fridge? <laughs> That's not happening. It's like you've got to pretend that you're actually on a front row. So um, we have to sort of like, we send out a bunch of instructions as to how to do it. And yeah. um, You're part of the gig, basically. You... So... Well, exactly. So we don't want you like, like you know, we don't want to be glass in front of the camera, like you're clunking a load of ice into it. That's <laughs> what we don't want. No, that's bad. So, um, but we look for the Red Imp on Facebook to look for the link for tickets, I take it? Just If you just Google Red Imp Comedy Club, mm -hmm. you'll find it. It's on there. Or, uh, or it's on Facebook as well. Yeah, so just, just search for Red Imp and you will find Susan in all her glory and uh, any other forthcoming gigs. I'm hoping that uh, even when you are back to normal working from uh, your venue, fingers crossed, um, that uh, you will see the occasional online event as well for those of us who are around. The... In fact, you know, in your native Woolen Hall in Wolverhampton, you know, so we, we still want to be part of this. Can we do that? Well, obviously, that's, I think that's how most comedy clubs will have to go because mm. if you can only fit you know, between a third and a half of your normal audience in, mm -hmm. you'll have to live stream it in order to keep the income levels yeah. roughly the same because otherwise we're all going to be doing delivery driving jobs. You don't want me skimming your Amazon hair dye up your path. You, on, you don't want that. No. You don't want me working in a supermarket. Can you imagine me on a till in a supermarket? What are you buying that for? <laughs> no, I'm well, I but, can't but, do any entry-level jobs. But when I can't do any other jobs. Well, when, it's, when it comes to you and driving, you only ever drive when it's dark, so you'll be expecting your groceries turning up at two in the morning, which really wouldn't work for anybody. I 
that's absolutely absolutely no more. <laughs> Not the highways agency always thought thwart me, don't they? I'd have to do it like I'd have to do it in day. I'd have to do it in daylight hours. You know what comedians like? We don't like daylight hours. It's killing me to be next to the twin. I'm like, oh god, it work. daylight. It's like a scene from oh, Twilight. You're suffering the there. Yeah. Mm. Susan, always good to catch up with you. Thank you for for Anata. Give us the general website for your other stuff as well, so people know where to find you. Red Imp Comedy is just redimpcomedy.com and Susan Murray is susan-comedy.co.uk. That will do the job. Susan Murray, thank you again. Ian Billings and Chris White are known for their collaborations on many a project. Often it seems to include chickens. However, I'm not sure what it does on this occasion. Uh, to find out more, I have Ian and Chris now. Hello both. Hello, hello, hello. That's Chris. That's Chris. And then Ian's the other one. There's Ian. Yeah. Hello, I'm Ian. That's Chris. That's Ian. And so, um, what, what's happening then? Because you two guys are multi-talented. Ian, uh, you're the one who, who has probably got more books under his belt. But uh, uh, what's happening? What have you done? We've done loads. We've been very, very busy. We've been writing, we've been creating, we've been drawing, and we've made some new books, haven't we, Chris? We have. We were, like everybody else, we found ourselves locked down with nothing to do. So we thought, let's write some books. So we did. We've written two brand new books, two brand new hot off the press books for children. Would you like to see them, Jason? I, I would if you've got one there. I've got two here because we've written two books for children. Neither of them. So it's all, it's all over to you. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Our very first book is called Boo. Yeah. Boo, ah, yeah. And, and Chris White <laughs> gets first yeah. mentions on that. So that one's Chris White and Ian Billings. I yeah, I thought I'd shake it up a bit. I thought I'd shake it up a bit because alphabetically it should, it should be me, I guess, but very magnanimously. Do you know how many years it's taken me to get Ian to put me go. first on a book? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 47. Yeah, at least, at least. Because alphabetically I'm a but and you're a were. You are a were. Oh, yeah. But, but, yeah, but, but he's a curly curt and you're an I, so if it depends if you do it in the non-conformist taking first names first kind of a way. And your middle name's Sandra. And your middle name's Maureen. But anyway, back to the book. Back to the book. Back yeah, to the so, book. So, Boo. Boo oh. is a book of, it's a book of uh, a children's poetry about horror and ghosts and ghoulies and mummies. And we created this when lockdown started. Mm -hmm. We started it when lockdown started and we finished it about two or three weeks ago. So from start to finish, this was put together in a matter of, of weeks. 50 poems. We did 25 each. Chris did some amazing pictures, amazing drawings. Oh, that's Chris. That's why he gets first billing because he did some amazing drawings. Yeah, because he's actually done two thirds of the work on this. So basically, yeah, but but who's counting, eh? Anyway, <laughs> so there, there's success yeah. more of it, and that is available on Amazon, the well-known Amazon where you buy all your books. And we're very proud of that, aren't we, Chris? We are. Who knew we could do it so quickly and so well, the quality, and so efficiently and so beautifully. Yeah, well, and it's um, and you haven't even seen a copy yet, have you, Chris? I haven't. I'm touching the screen now. It looks lovely. <laughs> See, if we were doing this, this this properly, you would kind of hand it across to him between the two boxes. But sadly, oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, we, we can't See, do that. Like, have we? Yeah. We next we time. Next time. But there we go. So but, yeah, and that's available. And we'll be doing uh, we'll be doing readings from that when we come to do our show in Telford in in, in August. Which should be absolutely fantastic. Now, what is the second part of your lockdown literature? Oh, I'm glad you asked. The second book, which even Chris has not seen either, Ooh. so his eager little face, look at his little face. It's a big day for me, this is. There's a vampire in my bedroom by Ian Billings and Chris White in the correct alphabetical order, yeah. you see there. And uh, we've created this book once again during lockdown, but it's the first time we've done a really you know, a proper picture book for kids. Wow, full Basically, on coloured in pictures. Absolutely, these are proper pictures. 
and even it's about more good. work for me. Yeah, you know, how do you do it? Yeah, but I did. But there's a lot of words there as well. Don't find there's almost ten words on each page. So yeah, but, but, but of each of those ten words, then had to be drawn. That that was clever. You know, so think think of all the grueling hardship I went through. So and this is about a boy who gets stuck in his bedroom and he thinks he's been assailed by uh, ghosts and vampires and bats, but it's not. But I'm not going to spoil the ending for you. No, no. Buy a copy yourself and spoil your own ending. <laughs> and I can't remember the ending, so I won't spoil it either. No, that, that that's okay. But then, you know, Chris, you, you, you're just second on the list for that one, so that's how it works. But, I mean, Chris, yeah. what's it like working with Ian, trying to create pictures to go with words that he's kind of handcrafted? Can Ian hear this? Handcrafted, did you hear that? Handcrafted. Can Ian hear this, What my answer? Yeah, cover your ears for a moment, Ian. Okay, yeah, just just go off to uh, into your little box area. No, it's great because, you know, if you are illustrating your own words, sometimes you can get so wrapped up in it that you kind of, um, you, you, you know, you, you don't know if you're doing the right thing or you don't know if you're using the right words. But when it's somebody else's words, they're kind of forced upon you and you've got no choice. Yeah. Uh, so it, it just, it kind of stretches you a little bit, you know, because you've, that sometimes you read things that Ian's put, you think, oh, I wouldn't put that. I wouldn't use that word, you know? But he has. Um, well, he has, so you're forced to deal with it. <laughs> and and so, you're saying that the most loving, uh, you know, he's obviously done the right thing kind of a way to his face. Um, and uh, you're going to enjoy the experience of, of illustrating these things. Was that enjoy or enjoy? Something like that, yeah, one or the other. Yes, yeah. But, it's, so it's a wonderful experience, um, and I heartily recommend anybody to do it. So that I don't have to next time. <laughs> That's not cool for. But you can clearly <laughs> illustrate anything on the grounds that behind you, I spy a unicorn that apparently loves me. Yes, I'm glad you spotted that. I've been drawing a lot of unicorns. People love unicorns, don't they? Is, is there going to be yeah. a unicorn collaboration possibly in future? I think that could be our next step. I think it could. Let's yes, uh, yes, let's do that. Yeah. Unicorns from Mars. When unicorns go bad. <laughs> oh, that could be good. The, the yeah. vampire unicorn. Yeah. Vampire unicorn, that, yes. That kind of get, gets your neck with the horn there. Yeah. It's like it's a straw. Like a straw. <gasps> We're onto something. Let me write this down. Ian, are you writing this down? I'm writing it down now. You got a pen? Uh, yeah, there you go. Vampire, cheers. Vampire <laughs> unicorns. A vampiricorn. A vampiricorn, yes. Mm. Very good. A unipire. Yeah. Unipire. I like that. Based on an idea by... Jason, <laughs> there you go. We'll see what happens with that one. That's why the unicorn loves you, Jason. This is it. So, I mean, obviously, a great work from the two of you. I, I'm anticipating because obviously Chris hasn't seen it. I've not seen it. Ian's is the only person with copies at the moment. Available now from Amazon and all other good booksellers. Um, and uh, this is your chance to uh, to get your hands on some fantastic kids literature. I know kids love you, or both of your work. It's it's all absolutely wonderful stuff, and you're both hugely talented. And it, I find it quite depressing, to be fair, because I wish I, I wish I was like you too. Thank you very much. And come and see us. We're coming to Telford. Telford, Telford, Telford. Lovely Telford. We're coming to Telford, 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 Telford on the 23rd of August to do our show. Our show in Telford. Go on the Telford website, the Telford Theatre website. You'll find out all about it. We're going to do songs. Not going to do songs. Are you doing songs? We're doing songs. We're doing poems. Poems. So We're a bit like songs without music. Who said, who said songs? Don't mention songs. No. And um, we're going to be there on the twenty third of August. Hey, you've said it now. We've got to do songs. <laughs> I'll think of something. You did, did the Telford well, we song at least. 
Jason, what ideas have you got for songs? We're going to do a song about Telford. Telford, 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 lovely Telford. If you want a cup of tea, try Friars Lee. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That aside, the the date of the Telford show again was? Is the 23rd of August. We're doing three shows. 12 o'clock, 1.30 and 3 o'clock. So they're not long shows, but they're just enough to get some nice poems in and get your chance to meet the two fantastic author and drawery type people, illustrator I think is the word I was looking for, uh, for uh, behind these two fantastic books, both Boo and uh, There's a Vampire in My Bedroom. (laughs) Can you say that a bit more seriously, please? Since when did you do anything that was serious? Oh, yeah, product placement. They look good. I can't wait to see them myself. Okay, we'll have to buy yourself a copy off Amazon. Just search for Ian Billings or Chris White or Chris White and Ian Billings, depending on which book you want. And I'll uh, get you a copy, Chris. I'll sign it for you, mate. <laughs> and Chris, you can send him one back with a unicorn drawn in it as well, just for good measure. Um, yes, or the vampire recorn. Yeah, the vampire corner, or the uni, unifier. Yeah. So, um, so, so, first of all, Ian, where can we go to see all of your work? That's that's not a unicorn. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Um, sorry, what was the question? Well, I was too busy being Website. Do website. Oh, www. That could be too many Ws there. Dot ianbillings.com. And Chris? Ooh. Yes, I will be found at the lovely, brand spankingly new, I may add, um, veggievampire.com. Okay. That's veggievampire.com. Dot com, which has recently had a new lick of paint and a new pair of curtains put on it. So it, it's oh, fabulous. Um, That's all yes. What's the what's the what's the website again, Chris? It's veggievampire.com. Very good. Don't Check it out. The dot com. Enjoy that one. Thank you both for joining us. Always lovely to catch up with you. Uh, books available now. Enjoy, and uh, we will have you hopefully see you know, see you soon. And if I can get to the Telford gig, I will get to the Telford gig. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. It's been lovely. Say thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. The sensational 60s experiences at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre on Saturday the 20th of February. The Fortunes are part of the show. Eddie Mooney is their singer and joins me now. Hello, sir. Nice to talk to you, Jason. Well, good to catch up with you. And uh, uh, first of all, tell us about your involvement uh, with The Fortunes, because it, this isn't your first band producing fantastic 60s memories, is it? No, in actual fact, um, I, I joined The Fortunes uh, on the death of the original singer. Um, uh, and what actually happened was I was working with the Dakotas. I, I'm uh, originally from Ireland, but I came to Britain um, and uh, I was working with a band called the Dakotas, whose lead singer was Billy J. Kramer. Mm-hmm. Um, and what actually happened there was that um, the original singer of the of the Fortune, Fortunes, uh, he was very, very ill. And that's Rod Allen. Mm-hmm. And he approached me and he said, look, would I stand in for some shows? Because he was very poorly at the time. Yeah. And uh, when I stood in, um, and it's quite, quite a poignant story, really, but he was terminally ill. He didn't realise at the time. Uh, but he asked me when he was terminally ill, would I take over when he left? And that was in 2008. 
So, I mean, you've got a great pedigree with the band, obviously, having been selected <laughs> to take this role and, and, to, and to carry on the, the music. And, I mean, th that's one of the things that these shows do so well. It's bringing to life fantastic memories from a, a golden era of music. And uh, you know, th there are people who were there at the time who will come and see the shows. Uh, there will be people who are new to this music. And it's uh, about having that energy and... The, the fantastic sounds that were on stage, and it's going to be an amazing night of music itself, isn't it? Well, uh, absolutely. I mean, the venue itself is a great venue. I've played it many times, and uh, it's one of the classic British theatres, and it's got a great sound, great acoustics. It's a, it's a you know, a typically um, old-fashioned theatre, and it's wonderful. But in, in terms of the music, um, you could argue that we had the jazz age and the different other uh, the the show band-aids and all the rest of it and the idea is that the 60s era will live on as a, a musical genre mm -hmm. and uh, in much the same way that jazz music is being discovered by young people today and um, big band era it's an era and mm -hmm. it's a particular sound for a particular era Hey, well, the sound of the 50s and 60s have influenced so much of what's uh, was sort of continued on. And uh, maybe it skipped the 80s slightly, but certainly by the 90s, the 60s really were a huge influence again. And uh, so anyone who's influenced by a 90s band is really being influenced by the likes of the Fortunes, the Beatles, and uh, all the other great sounds that, uh, that came out of this time. And uh, there's a, a brilliant lineup of uh, music on the night, aren't there, isn't there? Yes. Um, um, we've got Mike Pender, who was the original lead vocalist of The Searchers, mm -hmm. and he sang on such hits as uh, Needles and Pins, um, When You Walk in the Room, records like that. Uh, there's ourselves, Fortunes, The Swinging Blue Jeans, who did Hip Hippy Shake and um, uh, You Are No Good. Uh, the Foremost, who did uh, Hello Little Girl and, and other a, hits. A Little Loving, I think um, that was one of my favourites by them. Yeah, great. And, and um, to, obviously we can't have The Beatles, because The Beatles are no more, but to try and recreate that sort of era, uh, there's a, a band of young guys uh, called the Revolvers, and they're mm -hmm. going to do some of the Beatles' uh, early stuff. So uh, the whole idea, as you said earlier, is to recreate the sounds and the, the feel of that particular uh, time. Well, it's going to be a, a fantastic <laughs> night. It always is. Uh, I know as one of the, the last shows before lockdown in 2020, it was very much appreciated. And uh, it's going to be a, a great night to be had on the 20th of February uh, next year. And uh, for you, what is your favourite piece of music to perform by The Fortunes? My favourite song uh, is the one that we usually start our set with, and it's Here It Comes Again, which is, I think, a fantastic record. Um, a lot of those records <clears throat> were very beautifully written, and the orchestrations were really good on them, And, and but that is my all-time favourite, and it's a real privilege. I still get a, a tingle down my spine <laughs> when I sing that. Uh, I, I recall watching the original singer Rod do that song and telling him, you know, I love that song, and it never occurred to me in those days that I would end up, you know, doing it. Yeah. But, uh, and incidentally, you mentioned about the lockdown. <clears throat> I mean, what I've been trying to do during the lockdown to, to, for the fans is I do a, a live stream every Friday at 8.30, mm -hmm. um, and um, you can get details of it on the Fortunes um, Facebook page. But... Uh, we get anywhere between a thousand and two thousand listeners, and you know I, I literally sing in this room <laughs> without any microphones, but some backing tracks, and uh, we, do, you know, I do some of the fortunes and other sixty stuff. So anybody's interested, and it's to try and keep people interested in what's happening because obviously this is a very difficult time. 
but we're hoping, uh, fingers crossed, that we'll all be back on the road uh, after Christmas. Yeah, well, it should be a, an amazing time. Grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets. 01902 is the box office number. It is Saturday the 20th of February. Your chance to go along and see a fantastic show. Some of the original names, some of them hand-selected by original names from those bands, as in the case here. But uh, thank you for joining us and have an absolutely fantastic time when you get back out on the road. Yes, thank you ever so much. And we hope to see uh, many of you there uh, on Saturday the 20th of February in Wolverhampton. photographer and film director Jim Lee released two books, The Box and My Box. He's now with me to tell me more about the recent online release, which includes some particularly well-known narrators. Hello, sir. 
Hi there. Hi. Nice to meet you. Well, good yeah. to meet you too. And uh, uh, how did this project come about? Because this is something that you've done to really help uh, youngsters through difficult times. Yeah, I mean, it started off with the older box book, which was the box, which was, you know, a tale of what happened to me when I lost my son in a car accident mm -hmm. way back, back when I was 35, long time ago. But, uh, and over the years, um, but at the time I had to kind of get over the, the issue or get, you know, to be understood with it and deal with it. And mm -hmm. later, uh, lots of people asked me, how did you get over that kind of problem? And uh, I told them and they said, wow, that's an interesting way of doing it. He said, why don't you write a book or do something about it? And let people know how you got over the issue. So after many years passed, I, after having fielded several phone calls from people I didn't even know who kind of rang me and said, <laughs> somebody said, a friend of mine, a friend of mine, you know, how do you get through the problem with losing a child? And I had a short chat with them and they went off, you know, feeling, you know, consoled a bit. So. Uh, eventually, anyway, in my in my later years, I decided to write it down, and the adult book was born, the the box. And then I thought, actually, this is such a simple idea. Um, I think even kids who suffer, you know, would be beneficial by having this, or rather, benefit by having um, the same concept in a much simpler form. So I then illustrated it mm -hmm. with a friend of mine, and then we animated it. And then we got Geraldine James soon, you know, to do the audio book and so it came before I mean that's the book it's tiny it's mm -hmm. a little tiny book so you know, it's a little flip book um, and it's you know that's the, the first one was that book sorry I'm doing a bit of an advertising here but <laughs> that, that was the first book you know I mean I'm only showing you because it's it's the size of it that matters it's sort of in a pocket in a satchel consult if you want to anytime yeah it's, and, it's a reference material you can take with you yeah, so it was done deliberately to make it a modest kind of just a chat about how I got through the issue. But I mean, it, it's not really just for um, bereavement, although it came from that. It's for any kind of issue which is big enough that needs to be dealt with in, in little bits rather than trying to overcome it in one. You know, I mean, we all have issues that can be, you know, enormous. It could be all sorts of different things. but. Um, you know, from a, from a, the tax man hounding you or, you know, legal lawsuit or buying a house or you know, all these sort of things, but they can get at you and they can drive you to a distraction and you become very kind of confused with it all. And my theory is to try and, you know, separate um, a time in the day to kind of deal with that issue in a hundred percent way without any distraction. Uh, and so I wrote the box originally, and then the kitty one as, as a follow-up. But um, mm -hmm. and and you know it, it's it's caught a wave a little bit, and people obviously feel it to be interesting, and hopefully it's useful. Mm -hmm. So I gave it to the internet and gave it to people who didn't want to. I mean the book the books I sell for five five ninety five and six ninety five. You know the adult one, and and but the the, uh, the one I did with Geraldine James for my box and uh, Rich D Grant for the older one. I'm, I'm giving it to people as a as a freebie on the actual internet. Yeah, so. but I mean, so, something that can help, and as you say, it, it, it's, you've said it's a long time since you sadly lost your son, but he was, what, only 13 when he, he passed away following a car accident. And, yes. you know, that is obviously something that's going to stay with any parent. And, you know, it's the strength that you've shown to to get through that, to, to get to this point, to keep working, to do what you do, to, to yeah, for, for the photography and, and, and the film directing. 
even harder when it's something creative like that and you're putting your heart and soul into it all. And then to focus and, and, and produce these books to help others. I mean, that, I mean, the, the plaudits should come with this, or uh, uh, something which you, you probably have received some of, but I mean, it, it, it can't be easy to, to get to the point where you're writing this down. No, I mean, you never, you never really get over it. You get used to it and you learn to surf your way around the issue. I mean, something like that, you know, you, the loss is always there, but you kind of get into a, a way and a pattern to surf around it so you don't feel emotionally so distracted or you feel you can live another life. I mean, I had, when I lost my son, I had no other children. That was it. I became fatherless for four years. But then I had four more lovely kids later. So, you know, you feel you feel just as vulnerable with them as you did the one before, you know, mm -hmm. that's more you've already lost. Um, they say lightning never strikes twice, but you, you know, you're always vulnerable to that. So in other words, the issue is big. Um, the loss is ginormous and you have to kind of contain it really. Uh, but I think the most important thing about this actually is you, you don't bury it. You don't lose it or try and hide from it. You, you kind of confront what you feel. Um, and I've always maintained that if you have that kind of feeling of just, you know, it bugging you 24-7 as you sort of go around life, I mean, then it, you, you're continually kind of concerned by just by having to deal with this wave of, of uh, neurosis and um, distraction and, and empathy and hardship, you know, and, yeah. and, and loss. So in a way, if you can get into a corner and just have some time with it alone which is really um focused on it i mean i i always think it's important to go to somewhere where you know you can call a place where you could leave your problem behind make it a constant place a place that you like like i mean i mentioned in my book i went to a particular tree in the country and i went to the oratory, although I'm not religious per se, I went to the oratory because it's near me and I could go and bury myself in there half an hour and think about it. Somewhere magnificent where, where you can sort of leave behind your issue and walk away from it and maybe go back and have that conversation again the next day or, or another one or, or an improved one, hopefully. Um, but, you know, it, it's doing that. And then having the 23 hours, 23 and a half hours after that, mm -hmm. you have half an hour of it, then you just get on with your life. And if it comes back to you, you say to yourself, you know, not now, I'll go back to it again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then I always compare it actually with, um, you know, when you go, with, I don't know when you go to the gym, but I used to until, until fairly recently, I went to the gym. And, uh, you know, you're not supposed to do exercise on your muscles every, every day, because otherwise you never have a chance them to build. Mm -hmm you would go in there and have some exercise, eat a bit of protein, leave it a day or two, then go out and have some more exercise. And then in that time, the muscle would build from the, the work you've done on it. It would then, the protein would go to the muscle and it would make you stronger. And then you go and have another exercise. But if you did it every day, you all you'd never have a chance to build that muscle. Well, similarly, if you have a problem like this, if you just continually think about it all the time, you never really make any progress. You just live in this wash of, of thinking and worrying about it and it becomes like a, a disturbance to you and so of course it can affect your mental health um so i think for me it really helped to be able to deal with this in a in a way very very much in, you know intensely for a short period of time and then 
determinedly not go back to it until we go back the next day and do it again. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, each to their own and how they do it, but that's how I did it and it, it helped me. So. Because, I mean, this is, this is part of your life that it's that you, you don't want essentially to go away. You don't want to, to lose that sense of loss because the person meant so much to you. You just have to find a way of, of stopping the, the loss being your whole life rather than, you know, allowing you to, to live the life that your loved one would have wanted you to. Exactly. And actually, if you think about it from their point of view too, although they're not here any longer, mm -hmm. if you say, what would they want you to do? They wouldn't want you to sit there and be in misery all the time, thinking about every five minutes today. They'd prefer, I'm sure, that you would had a handle on it, you cared about it, you dealt with it, you felt it, you dealt, you know, you tried to put yourself in a better place and you go on. They wouldn't want you to, they're looking down on me, they're not going to say, <laughs> that, you know, I want you to suffer all the time because I'm dead and you're, excuse me, <laughs> you're dead and, 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 uh, and I'm not, you know, it's, you, you've got to, you've got to, I think, think very carefully about what the other side would feel and think. And then in that way, you would then be, sensible about your decision on how to get over the issue or how to deal with it and mm -hmm. uh, so I, I did I thought about Orlando finally but it, the hardest part of that was actually um, was actually not thinking about it when I felt that I wanted to think about him and I felt emotionally that I was drawn to thinking about him but uh, you know um, uh, if you can separate it, it it's a good thing because then you are dealing with one and then you're getting on with life and the other because I mean you have to move on or else you're going to get destroyed by it mm -hmm. or you're going to be miserable all the time so I think you have to deal with the problem. Certainly with your approach it allowed you to have a, a career which has been successful you've had a great family life uh, but still the, the the fact that you've got a loss there as as that's both stayed with you and allowed you to probably in, enjoy the the rest of your time, knowing that you're you're living life to the full in in how you would have want your your son to have done. That's that's true, I think. And in a way, when you get on top of it and you feel like you're in control and you're no longer out of control, because I, mean, I think the large problems, no matter what they are make you feel out of control. Very often your reaction is aggressive or, but when you get on top of it and you're in control <clears throat> of your situation, um, you become more passive, you become more humble, you become more able to cope. Um, and I think then, you know, it's, it sounds rather perverse to say this, but in a way you kind of almost join the high flight club. You're in a different kind of um, place because you've then become uh, capable of dealing with a big issue, which only very few people have of that magnitude. Yeah. And it gives you a kind of strength which you hadn't had before you had the problem. Now that's, I call that taking advantage of a disadvantage. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, if you are disadvantaged, better than you, better you get on top of it and rise above it and do okay and progress and go forward and be positive mm -hmm. than it is to wallow in the in the misery of it and just not get on top of it and find it just eats and swallows you up well i mean through through your dyslexia dyspraxia you're still a great absolutely great communicator maybe writing this down wasn't something that came naturally to you but certainly you've helped you know hundreds but thousands of people so far the opportunity to see this online through your youtube channel as well uh with geraldine and richard e. grant telling these stories and giving advice on uh, your behalf. I think that is a, an amazing thing to have done. Where can people go to to not only get the books in paper form to carry with them and also uh, see these uh, two fantastic pieces of work that you've put together to assist? Well, I mean, you can get the books uh, through the Box Book website, which is the, can I promote it? Go for <laughs> it. Called, 
it, well, it's at theboxbook.co.uk, and that's the designated books, uh, the, the actual book website for mm -hmm. the two box books, the adult and the child, child, children's one, child, children's one, sorry. And, uh, and they uh, can be bought, you know, through the website direct with the distributor, um, mm -hmm. or you can go to Amazon, you can get on Amazon, they're both on Amazon. You can get them from Waterstones. They may not have them in stock, but they get them for you. Yeah. Uh, so there are a number of ways of doing it. But as I say, if you want to just see it, uh, you can see it on YouTube for nothing. Uh, and I've done that deliberately because I wanted people to ever have access to it for those that can't afford. Or so mm. I'm I'm going to push it out a bit on Facebook to try and get it slightly more, you know, out in the media. But but yeah, it's 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 available and 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 there to help people, not to make money from it. I've got these two books that. Are, it costs money to get them, so I'm just I'm not making anything from it. But while there's while they're in stock, you can buy them, and mm -hmm. when they're gone, they're gone. But you know, otherwise they'll be on the YouTube. So. Well, just search for Jim Lee, my box, and the box, and you'll be able to uh, pick that up either from the Facebook page or on YouTube directly. Jim, I would love to have a chat with you about both the uh, the film work and also the photography at some point. But the important thing now is to get this message across. It's been an honour and a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. Okay, bye bye. Thanks. Leah Somers is an actress, she's based out of Litchfield, and she actually has two blog series. She joins me now to tell me more. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are we doing? Uh, good. I've got coffee, so I'm good. Coffee's always helps on most of these occasions, doesn't it? Right, Coffee's so <laughs> tell us a bit about what you've been doing, because uh, not only do you perform yourself, but you enjoy talking to others uh, about the work and uh, talking to both actors and uh, filmmakers. Uh, so what, how did this come about? I suppose downtime on set can be a good starting point. Um, definitely. I think with film, um, you do you meet so many different people, and I think that's what I find interesting anyway, uh, meeting so many different creatives, because a lot of actors, they kind of dabble in other creative um, avenues as well, so it's always interesting finding that out. And when, when you're actually uh, uh, having a chance to have, have these chats, I mean, I, I suppose it, the natural next thing to do was to turn it into a blog and uh, to, to use this uh, as uh, a part of a, a way of sharing info over the community as well, because there are so many great small indie projects and, and bigger indie projects too around the Midlands that uh, it must yeah. be absolutely fantastic being involved in all of this. It was. I think um, because of lockdown as well, it's, it's kind of forced filmmaking just to completely stop. Uh, I know certain projects are starting up again, but um, in regards to filmmakers, there wasn't much of a, a I don't know, a, a kind of community thing, I think. So um, I don't know, I'd like to just kind of bring everyone to the forefront, um, but not just filmmakers, authors as well, um, as that's a big passion um, of mine as well, writing. And, and, and uh, with the, uh, the the writing side of it, obviously an author's book will be turned into a film, and uh, it, it, I suppose you also get the the angle on how they deal with uh, you know the, the transition. And uh, a, a book is very different to a screenplay, isn't it? Uh, not always. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think if it's marketable, then obviously it's it's kind of inevitable for it to be a film. But uh, no, writing, I think, is uh, it's a bit more of a personal thing. I, I don't know if many writers set out to write with the hopes of making it into a film. I'm sure there's people out there that do. Um, but, yeah, from the people I, I know, they, they 
kind of write books for the love of books. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, where can we go to find out uh, you know, about the blog and, and what we can see? Uh, on my website, so leahsolmas.com, uh, all lowercase and no spaces, so yeah. Okay, well, we can check all of that out and uh, see who, who have we got as highlights in there as you can already see online. Um, in regards to filmmaking, we've got Dominic Ryan. Uh, he was the one from this week, the filmmaker from this week. Uh, Kyle Mamby Evans as well, another great indie filmmaker. Mm. And the first interview I did was with Dave Hastings, who uh, initially got me into filmmaking. I, I worked on a film, well, a few films with him now um, over the years. In regards to the author series, there's Danny Brown. Um, she's an independent bizarro writer. Um, A.S. Chambers, who dabbles in horror, and C.L. Raven, who are uh, identical twins and they write horror fiction as well. So, something, something worth looking at there. But well, great speaking to you. Give us the details again of where we can find you online. Uh, so you can check me out on uh, leahsolmas.com, that's my website, and I think all of my social media links are on there as well. So, Well, Leah, great speaking to you. Thank you for joining us and keep up the good work. Oh, thank you ever so much. Thank you for having me. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 580 next week. I'll see you there. So now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.